At Farmers Insurance, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Whether it's a rear end by a clown car, <laughs> or a grizzly taking a quick dip in a pool. We know home and auto insurance, and we know you could save an average of 20% when you bundle the two. Visit Farmers.com or call 1-800-FARMERS to get a quote today. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Reported 2018 nationwide average savings underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Welcome back to Glee on the Rocks. I'm Mav. I'm Emily. And I'm Mandy. And we're glad to have you here. Unless you're not here, then uh, not so glad. Yes, that, that's okay. Then we don't give a shit. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to start. <laughs> glad to have you here. <laughs> Always like to let everybody know where we all stand. Look. So, uh, how is everybody year. doing in the southern United States? It's been very snowy here, which is not normal. And it couldn't possibly right. cause by global climate change. No, right. no, of course not. I mean, this may be slightly derailing the podcast, but I, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Frankly, I don't know how we could have crazy amounts of snow in parts of the country and it not be indicative of a change in a thing like, you know, climate. But hey, this doesn't show you. I, I don't really know what to I, I don't know. What it sounds like you. fake news to me. I mean, it's been summer <laughs> in New York up until like last week. It was we missed fall altogether. 80, 80, 80, 80 snow. Kind of, kind of, yeah. yeah like, exactly 80, what it was 80, here. 80. There's a windy day and suddenly it's fucking cold. Get your jackets. It's just New Yorkers everywhere You're scrambling not- for parkas and boots that they hid away last year. In a, in a separate storage unit across town because yeah. they don't have room in their actual home. Basically, yes. Yes. I mean, my last you apartment didn't have a two? single closet, so. <laughs> No one could hide in the closet you in my apartment. You those cartoons when, um, when you're a kid and it has like a regular day and then it has, it has leaves, then it has snow, and then it has flowers. And they're like, weird weather we've had this week. <laughs> I feel that is like all of us right now at different times. Yeah, it's kind of how it, how it ran this, this last week. Well, fine. We're all going to die soon anyway. It's cool. Trump is bringing us closer and closer towards the edge of nuclear holocaust, whether by way of the Middle East or by way of North Korea. So we're glad that we're off to a really cheery start here, guys. I mean, if we're headed into an apocalypse of our own making, why not go out watching Glee? I mean, it's on brand. Which so? Yeah. Which is a nuclear holocaust of an entirely different making. That doomsday clock just clicked over to Glee. (laughs) Now that's terrifying. (laughs) One minute to midnight, you have to watch all the Super Bowl specials. We'll get there. We'll get there. What if, what if, like, the doomsday clock was that you had to watch all of the... You had to watch that Glee Christmas episode that didn't happen over and over again? Oh, God. Uh, no, I'm going to take myself out first. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't do it. Um, well, if we're talking about... It's a good about... thing that, that episode didn't actually happen then. Oh, Jesus. I mean, one more season than it might have. If we're talking about... 
strange episodes of Glee, then I suppose we can introduce this one that we're talking about, Preggers. It's a good it's a good segue for almost any episode of Glee, let's be but honest. It really works for every episode. This one stands out. Ever evergreen segue. Evergreen segue. This is episode four, season one. It aired September 23rd, 2009, written and directed by Brad Falchuk, which, like, maybe we should make some sort of chart of which episodes were written by which of the trio, just to, just to see. Uh, the ratings were 6.63 million, and the Glee wiki summary, always doing the Lord's work for us, uh, Kurt takes center stage when he tries out for the football team in order to impress his dad. Sandy and Sue join forces to carry out their plans for destroying the Glee Club by luring away a disillusioned Rachel, who quits when Will refuses to take back the solo from Tina. Meanwhile, Finn and Quinn's relationship is tested when they receive some life-changing news. So this is an episode that I think a lot of us have some PTSD over, or maybe just me. It does I have however, something, alright. It does have one of the better openings, though, and that is Kurt debuting single ladies in his oddly white basement bedroom. The scene itself, iconic. I know um, all of us have read about it frequently because it's featured on many a fic. Uh, You know, featured again later in one of the most uh, heartwarming moments that I'm, you know, on TV with, uh, with his dad. And also led to one of the best gifts I've ever seen which is Chris Colfer doing it on stage. Uh, the Glee Live Tour. Wearing a warbler tie. Yeah. So that exists. And so for for that reason, I feel we should all give thanks for this, this scene. For that reason alone, the, we'll say, who knows where that warbler tie came from. But like, for that alone, we do give thanks for this scene. Yes. So for that, Brad Falchuk gets like... Half a gold star <laughs> that we take away later on, but for now he gets to keep it. I mean, sure I, still have star for- I still have questions as to why he was recording himself doing this dance, but like, I don't even care. Who cares? And they um, so he could look back. <laughs> so he could look back and you know critique his own performance, but I prefer to just not have an explanation. Just to just to let it stand. But I mean, okay. Okay. They, they didn't okay. Offer any explanation as to like what their performance was even for. No, it doesn't even like they've been it, rehearsing. It thought uh, Kurt films his dancing uh, with his backup dancers Tina and Brittany, and uploads them frequently on YouTube, and has a, an underground you know fan base of people who enjoy his dancing. And uh, a young Blaine Anderson stumbles upon these. Pick writers and go. <laughs> and so you're, go. you're doing a little bit of self-serving work there, aren't you? Put the fake you want to see out into the world. Yes. Be the fake you want to see. I mean, you know, there's there's if a I world. I can't use this platform to demand for more fic. Then what 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 is even the reason? Mm. What are we even doing here? Uh, I mean, I guess I liked. I mean, it, it was nice to just have Bert walk in because every scene that Bert is in is a good scene. And it, it was interesting to remember the slight progression in Bert's characterization. He's a little, he's not hyper-masculine in this, but he's a little more tough than we see him in later episodes. 
Um, I think they were still trying to work out what kind of a father he was going to be. But I liked in Mike O'Malley's performance that you just you knew immediately that he knew about Kurt and wasn't going to be the one to force that on his son. He was just waiting. And that's the I, nicest I also thing got the anyone feeling, has done in this show. And will continue to be for a while. I also got the feeling in, in um, Mike O'Malley's performance is he, it's not that he is put off by his son so much as I feel like he's not sure how to interact with or respond to like what do you do with your son in a in a leotard in the basement dancing to Beyonce like that wasn't a thing that he he knows how to deal with so it's not you can kind of see you can see layers in his performance which I feel you get with certain actors certain characters they bring more than what comes with the script yeah so um I I appreciate Anytime Mike O'Malley shows up on my screen, even though he's not in an aggro crag and he's not throwing it over to Mo, <laughs> fine. I accept uh, it. Where is the Glee AU uh, of them all fighting on a the Dare Double Dare? No, where is the, guts. excuse me, he was on Guts. guts. Thank you. Go. You have it. Where where is where is the AU where Kurt is flipping through channels and is like, what the fuck, Dad? When were you on? When were you gonna tell me you were a kid TV show host? Like the nineties was a weird time, son. I would read it. I think Kurt would be... again. Fick writers, go. <laughs> Fick writers, get up, get writing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was you know looking back on our last episode, it was nice to see an adult male behave in a moral, responsible, intelligent way to a situation. So bonus points all around. It was just nice to see an adult male. (laughs) The end. An adult, even. Just like, I don't even need like an adult male, just an adult. Fully realized adult. it's, It's like every adult that works in the high school is still mentally in a, in the high school. And it's like, I know that's not true for all high school teachers because I know friends that are high school teachers and they're adults. That's so, weird, But though, that's right? kind of how they wrote all of that. Doesn't yeah. that make you feel old that your friends are now high school teachers? <laughs> that's how I feel because I have friends who are teachers. And that every time I think, oh God, we've, we've become them. We've turned into them with a capital T. Just, just make sure none of your friends are out there, like, manipulating, bullying, and blackmailing teenagers, and, and you know, you're fine. Um, I make no promises. Make no promises. Plot twist, Emily is friends with Sue Sylvester. Yes. I mean, that that could be useful. That would be very useful. As long as you're on her good side, she does all the shit, and then you just slide in and take up all the leftover goodies, just like the Republican Party. <laughs> Okay, question. Who would you rather be? Who would you rather be friends with, Sue Sylvester or Emma Pillsbury? I'm not going to add Shoe. That's ridiculous. Nobody <laughs> would pick Shoe. Uh, which season of which character? Well, we're because in season like, one, so let's go with that. Uh, Sue, definitely Sue. Interesting. Do, I mean, for, for the purely lulls per, uh, aspect, or just or what? Uh, because in season one, Sue is not yet vile and has a modicum of power and authority and has the biggest budget in the school. Yeah, I was just going to go straight for the money, but all those other reasons are totally valid too. <laughs> so whatever whatever you were doing, she's got the biggest budget that you could siphon off of. Whereas Emma just has pamphlets and we don't know what her printing budget is yet. 
considering how many she has in later seasons that we're not counting yet. Yes. I, I feel like it's fairly sizable, but we don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. So that's my that's my final answer. Fair. I, I would agree partly because I don't trust Emma's judgment considering she finds Shu to be a great person and worthy to be around. This is also that makes point. me question a lot of her choices. Yes. yes. That also, is. she lets um, the the coach just like mansplain everything to her in this episode, and that's really annoying. Like, I, I would have appreciated her character in this episode a lot more if she just like shut him down at least once. Yeah, just once. But you know, she's mm-hmm. a little lady. Ugh. And sad because I like Jema. 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 How do you pronounce her actress's name? No idea. Maybe it's. Well, then we're just gonna go. With, I like the actress. <laughs> just don't like how she does Emma here. Mm-hmm. And you know, problem with the writers. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so going 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 from Emma into hey, she's a horrible person. The uh, the biweekly rant I have on this character. Yes. I'm going to make this my trademark. Um, Shoo, he's a terrible person. Again, some more. Oh. And uh, pr- after particularly all this time. in this, I won't say it because I don't like Snape. Oh, we can't he talk will about not it. Get- Snape's my favorite. <laughs> I am aware. And I have a, this is an entire side side quest that we will have to go on at some <laughs> point where we, we battle over this because I know Mandy's feels on Snape and I have very strong feels on Snape. <laughs> My feels on Snape are good character doesn't always do good things, which actually is pretty much how I feel about Sue this season. Good character in that she is really interesting to watch. Not good person, not a reflection of values, just the most entertaining one. You don't have to be a good person to be interesting in fiction. But he's not even interesting. He's just a dick. No, he's pretty interesting. I, I, I do find him interesting. I'm sorry. I think you're out in my ear. Absolutely be wearing a Snape shirt right now. No, no joke. The, uh, the title like of this I, one I, just I feel like I'm personally attacked right now. I mean, if we want to I talk just came about here Snape, to I can have talk a good time Snape all day. <laughs> Literally an adult just doing it at being as much of a dick to a child as possible is by no means interesting. I don't care why he's a dick. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, I would yeah. probably also be that kind of a teacher because I would hate it. But he has to be that. But I feel like he, he would also not, like, he would he's also go, okay, well, podcast is about. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is, this is a wild tangent that I feel like could go on indefinitely. <laughs> Next week, this podcast Glee. brought to you by Mav wanting Fick and uh, Harry Potter. Snape oh, is decisive. I, I do decisive. have a question for you. Who is a worse teacher, in your opinion, Shoe or Snape? Shoe. Fuck. <laughs> shoe. Yep. Because Shoe thinks he's. I'm going to have to go teacher. with Shoe because in- Shoe because incompetence and ignorance and arrogance is a very deadly combination. Snape is at least smart. He's arrogant as fuck, and he's but he's not incompetent. Yeah, he did actually yeah. teach kids things. Yeah. Well, Shoe when he wasn't terrifying the right them so much that he like they were terrified to do anything, <laughs> Neville. But Neville like, yeah, he, no. No, yeah. Neville Snape needed to not be a dick and realize that hey, maybe maybe different people and different children learn differently. I think we're never going to agree on this. And this is how the podcast ends. <laughs> the hell that we both will die on. <laughs> Five episodes. 
This is on opposite hills across from each other. Yeah, I probably would go to town defending the character of Snape. Not his actions, but the character being interesting and something I like. Yeah, Um, I would. I would. I would. I would. I I, I will defend my my Snape is not interesting. He's just a dick. Hill. And uh, that'll be a different podcast. Well, we'll have, to, we'll have to come up with that one later. But now I will say, I think I do think Shu is a worse teacher for all of the reasons previously listed. But um, that is a very hard question, Mandy. And I hate it. <laughs> he's worse because he thinks he's good. Yeah, he thinks he's good. He thinks he does really good. You know, he really helps them. And he fucks everything up. It, it's basically the the Blaine gif. Sorry, I'm bringing him in again. Blaine. Uh, it's like, you always do this. Like, yeah. literally, that, that's him always. And he's just... <sighs> I mean, so terrible. in this episode, I think he wasn't wrong in that Rachel needed to understand group dynamics. So he Agreed. wasn't wrong in giving the solo to Tina, especially because they're they're a group. And even though there are solos in the group, they're sophomores in high school and you can't single out one person the entire club so that in that he wasn't unless well unless the council agrees on it right right (laughs) unless there's a gavel involved and then it's legally binding and then all the solos go to blame i mean dalton was a bit more of a cult than a school so yes different standards apply absolutely was uh pour one out for dalton um also obviously all songs sound better in his key (laughs) uh they do though it's true no one liked teenage dream until blaine came along accurate (laughs) um so like for that i I mean i had a huge problem with the c subplot of rachel and tina and shu that we had mentioned in our little our pre-game reconnoiter but uh that's a word reconnoiter yeah i know I can't spell it. I can just say it. So him wanting to make other people in the group feel special, even as he ignores the other people in the group, at least he's branching out to one more person. He was right there. And Rachel was... He gets the other half of Brad's gold star. Yes. Rachel was 900% wrong. Um, you know what would have earned him a lot more gold stars if it had been Artie and not Tina? Yes, that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. This, this episode not have enough Kevin McHale. It really didn't. That's literally on my notes. Not enough Kevin. He had like and a line, right? He just had the one yeah, line. One line. Shameful. He's got a, he, Kevin's got really good comedic timing. And I think Artie was a very interesting character that they just sort of, that Ryan Murphy goes, oh yeah, we're going to have Artie. And then Chris Colfer comes along and Ryan Murphy's like, Chris Colfer. And then so everything became Kurt backstory, like as the, as like the B plot going on. And uh, which I'm, I don't hate because I love Chris, but, <laughs> but also we could have had less Rachel and more, more Kevin is what I'm saying. If this was the Kevin McHale and Artie show, that would have been okay. Like I, I never want to take away screen time from a female character and give it to a male character but i could have done with more arty across the board especially if he had been given a real character arc and not just being another one of the characters who changes depending on the needs of the episode is he a dick today and is literally like defined by the wheelchair that he's in yeah defined by a disability 
And then everything else just very changed per episode. So yes, uh, all solos should go to either um, basically really, anybody, but but <laughs> I was gonna say anybody but Rachel. I met Rachel. Um, but no, I I agree. I with with your point that Shu had <laughs> had a good reason, or at least you know made sense for what he was doing. I agreed with him. I disagreed with how he was doing it. And Rachel bitching about and saying, it's unfair. You're punishing me. Um, (laughs) I have a note here that literally just says, shoo, Rachel wouldn't call you being, you know, call you out of you being a child if you didn't act like one. Yeah, they were were both very juvenile in this. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things that annoyed me about him in this episode was the way he tried to, like, emotionally manipulate Rachel. Like, he was right in that he... You know, I don't like saying he was right about anything, but that uh, hurts. I know, I know that, that hurts. Tina, yeah, Tina should have had the role, not her. But instead of just telling Rachel, "I'm your teacher, I'm leader of the club," uh, this is how we're doing it. He gives this whole like speech about how he's her only fan, mm-hmm. and like he's on her side, and she needs to understand. And the undercurrent was, "We both know you're better than everyone else, but you should do this anyway." I'm like, no, be be an adult, be a teacher, and oh. don't use like strange manipulation tactics on this teenage girl. And the other students are going to know that they're coming in third, fourth, and fifth to this. Like if you don't frame it that it's a group and that he's the teacher and the leader and he's making decisions, everybody else in that club knows that they come in last place to Rachel's first place. Yeah. That sucks. Way way to totally bring everybody together to hate you. Uh, Hate you. There is a sub glee club of uh, all members who are not Finn and Rachel that get together to just bitch about how much they hate you. <laughs> yes. Would not be surprised, actually. The precursor to the blame it on the alcohol, they just go together in someone's basement and sip on wine coolers. Speaking Rachel of finds wine out coolers, about it. Yeah. Oh, God. Speaking of wine coolers, though, just like, I don't know if it's our first indication that the writers have a terrible time writing about consent issues. Oh, but Quinn's yes. saying, I only slept with you because you got me drunk on wine coolers and I was feeling fat. Like, oh, so she was assaulted, basically. Like, what level of consent could she have if she was drunk on wine coolers? Hey, welcome it. to what a gay, you know, what a man finds, you know, acceptably funny. Yeah. And then we get it again with Brittany in a later episode where she said, like, someone just crawled into my tent. Like, mm, okay. So there are at least two instances of characters potentially or probably or likely being raped and yeah we're just gonna play it for laughs or play it like it's not a significant event i mean the same way that the the adult man who like felt up teenage boys is casually let back into the school to run things yeah not even casually what a timely episode too right like timely in just the way we were watching it but that uh serial molester gets let back in and given a position of authority in a high school like that's great i it's indicative of one of the issues i have continually with glee and with the writers um in that they want to believe they're writing a dark you know black comedy dark comedy black comedy but it's it's not like just saying like just taking offensive traumatizing thing and going ha ha lol doesn't make does not a dark comedy make 
Like that's yeah. not how this works. You need a little bit more to it than that. Um, so instead you come off ineffectual and um, insensitive, not point, not like biting. So I'm like, there, there is no joke there. There's no joke that other than ha I was drunk. That's not a, it's not really a joke. I mean, it's on a, on a different level, not only is it not a joke, but it immediately, and this, this is probably because of the current, you know, state of the world. It makes me think, oh, so Ryan Murphy, this um, adult gay man, and all of these other writers who were adult men definitely don't think it's that serious to joke about molesting kids. Right. Or yeah. kids molesting each other. Or yeah. anybody being molested whatsoever. Apparently, yeah. this is this is low, to, like low totem pole of problematic shit for them. Which, it's to be honest, serious. Consider, considering what we've art, what we've seen this past month, and knowing that it's probably only the very small tip of the iceberg, it's probably very accurate. Sadly, yeah. yeah there's some. I'm really gonna say there's some skeletons in some closets. Yeah. For the record, I'm not saying anybody on the writing staff did anything so much as it probably stuff that they're aware of other people or have heard of things. Yeah. It, so. It's not even, it's not even an accusation of anyone doing anything. It's just an awareness that that is part of the issue in Hollywood, that none of these things were taboo. Everything was just kind of shrugged and laughed at. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an accusation. It's yes. more of a pointing out that they thought this was funny. Yeah, exactly. And that they don't take it. And at this point, we're taking it seriously. Um, when a teen pregnancy in a TV show like this is horrendously serious. Yeah, I mean, it's there. Are, there are. I hate to say this. There are a few things I think occasionally are done well, in in the black comedy aspect on this show. Um, but too many of them are just kind of hand waved and shrugged. And given the lowest common denominator sort of work. Like uh, just very lazy jokes, and um, and it, it's not, it's never funny to just make fun of you know isms and issues, and that's just a lazy joke. Anyway, I think I think I've beaten this this horse to a point that I would like to save it now because <laughs> animal rights and other social justice warrior things. So I will let it get up and wander off. Well, the one character who could have been a good um, darkly comedic s- joke supplier was I think it's Terry's sister. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's probably just because she was only written for like an episode and a half. So they didn't have time to um, flanderize her the way people like Sue get flandered. But uh, her one liners were actually kind of funny because they were when you say a, flandered you mean like ned flanders yeah it's so it's the it, it's the trope where one character aspect of uh, of a character words um words are hard words are really hard i haven't been out of the house in two days um where <laughs> one aspect just gets so magnified that it becomes like a self parody, right? So like gotcha. the thing, the thing that a character is known for just gets so blown up and out of proportion that it, that they're no longer, it's no longer a character aspect. It's just weird. Like Dr. House, his idiosyncrasies over the span of the show just get, he just becomes mean instead of interestingly snarky and dark, that kind of stuff. But I'm with you. I'm with you. It, yeah. your, your multifaceted character becomes so one, one-sided. It's make yeah, it's ridiculous. Gee, that doesn't sound familiar at all. I'm with you. So her sister, at least in this episode, I thought was kind of funny, but I'm sure would have been 
totally destroyed by four episodes in if they had kept her around. So it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, her sister also could have provided a really good way to keep Terry humanized. Yes. And so. less of a caricature if it had continued like they started it in this episode where Terry wanted to do the right thing and had this voice in her ear going, no, no, you can't. You have yeah. to do the crazy thing. Uh, but instead, they just let Terry become the caricature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Let's talk there's... about how awesome it would have been to have had that where her sister was playing that uh, that devil on the shoulder. Kind yeah, of role. because it that would have been very interesting. The stakes aren't as high for the sister. So making those kind of like, oh, just just keep going. It'll be fine. Like, it doesn't matter as much to her because it's not happening to her. So there's more of a reason why she might be so behind it. And yeah, there could have yeah. been a better I mean, storyline in there. If you really want to talk dark comedy, having having your sister tell you, no, no, do the crazy thing um, while you're while you're trying to figure out, uh, you know, how to tell your husband that you're not actually pregnant. Um, there could be some seriously interesting uh, moments there that could be very funny. But we didn't have that. Yeah. It's also easier to pull off shenanigans when you have a buddy. Accurate. Not that I would ever shenanigan, but if I were to shenanigan, you need a buddy. How can you shenanigan if you haven't shenanied? <laughs> It's terrible. Sit with that one for a minute. <laughs> I don't want to. I want to let it go. <laughs> Fine. Gonna set that one aside on the shelf and let it sit there. Again, no respect. No respect. <laughs> Talk shit about Snape and I put your jokes aside. <laughs> How this works. Uh, uh... Anyway, fine. Um, the football always important, always good. Mm. Oh, was like, it? Was that your segue insane. to the football? Was it my what? Was that the segue to fo- playing to football? It it was. I I don't have any. I'm not smooth on segues. I just go. So now football. No, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, I I liked it. Um, uh, no, I just you know it's not that not that it's been beaten to death already when it happened, but it's such a good moment. You know, is <laughs> Kurt coming out that he would like to audition to be the kicker? <laughs> I don't know. There's something so sweet and nice about the whole thing that it's hard to tear it apart. I'm sure we still can though. Oh, I'm sure we can, but it. I feel like it. I don't want to read too much into things, but I find the line to be very. You can see Kurt in it. Hmm. Like it's just it's one line, but you get a lot of Kurt's characterization from it. Um, he's very for, forward to the point, even if he's you know even if he's nervous and clearly does not um, have any idea of what he's doing with sports, but he's confident and he's here. God damn it! So he's going to do the thing, and I I liked the I liked the line. And yeah. <laughs> it's also actually funny. God damn it. <laughs> and it's a good joke. Amazing. I don't know. I just, uh, I think we also got the, I was going to say, I just think you do get a lot of little character moments in the two football scenes that they didn't have to try quite so hard for, which was nice. Like um, Finn helping Kurt with his helmet is just so sweet that you felt for a moment like these two characters have actually known each other for a little while. Yeah, actually, speaking of Finn, that's another um, point where his writing was just like totally shit because in this episode, he is nice to Kurt. He thinks Kurt is gay and asking him to prom and he's really nice about it. And then like a season later, he's using slurs at Kurt. Yeah. 
Like I made it. That was one of my notes was like, um, during that scene, it's just so like, it's the better side of masculinity where Finn was just like, Oh no, I don't, I don't want, I can't go to the dance with you. And not, um, not a shred of homophobia really. And then when the script calls for it, he flips. It's also, I mean, you can kind of, is it kind of understand Kurt's crush on when you see episodes like this? Mm-hmm. At least mm-hmm. it's like, okay, wh- where Finn is is not being um asshole like a bunch of other guys and he's being really nice. So yeah, it's you like, get the version okay, you, of can, you can understand. Yeah, you get the version of him where you're like, I get it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we understand you, Kurt. It's fine. Don't worry about it. No. Um, and now to to bring the downside to to football because I can do that. Drove um, me nuts, nuts. How? If this was a better show, I would say football is a stand-in for toxic masculinity that uses the that uses football players to showcase a particular point of view and a particular uh, thought process that some people have that is very negative and is very and it hurts our society and how it holds people back and actually harms one another. This isn't that show. I'm not going to make those points. Well, I think I think in this episode you can because it's juxtaposed so obviously with the single ladies dance, which is a uh, you don't want to say a more feminine thing, but like it's meant mm-hmm. it's shown as a more feminine activity. So I think in this episode they really are trying to say that what you were just saying. In later episodes, yeah. not so much. But- but I think this time around, there is a sense that they were, you've got Puck and some of the other players, you know, not wanting to dance for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that by going into that side of their personalities and doing a different activity, they better their performance on the field and win the game. So by taking on a different modus operandi, they do better. And then it never happens again. I think the, the the moral of this episode is that the power of Beyonce compels you. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine if Glee had still been on when Formation came out? <laughs> no, because I also don't want to think of Glee being there when Lemonade came out because inevitably they would they would have it, it would just it would just get misunderstood, mismanaged. It just wouldn't end well. <laughs> that would. <laughs> That would have been bad news bears. <laughs> yes. So this, it still, it still frustrates me. I mean, I, I get your point that yes, um, my thought may not always apply, but does here. It still does frustrate me how very heavy handed they can be with things like dancing. Oh no, we can't, you know, we can't dance. God forbid guys dance. That would be, that would make us look you know, like we're girls insert, yeah. you know, insert insult or whatever. Oh yeah. And again, it's not, it's not dark biting comedy. It's just lazy. It's lazy. It's the lowest common denominator. That's glee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Toxic masculinity ruins the party again. Episode title. Uh, so just to try to hush fell over the crowd. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. And yeah, the C, like going back, the C plot really just doesn't matter whatsoever. Trying to steal Mm. Rachel away so the Glee Club doesn't win, so Sue does. Like, I just, oh God, I don't care. 
<laughs> that was kind of funny to hear them do uh, West Side Story so far in advance of them doing West Side Story. Did it make you think they were uh, foreshadowing? No, because God knows they were no idea what they were doing in five episodes. Not at all. No. And we'll have to see when we get to that episode if they if they mention that they already did this. Because <laughs> I don't remember that they died. I, I don't remember any of the characters saying, hey, remember when we sang this song in Glee Club two years ago or a year ago? We'll have Christina, to remember when you worked on that song. We'll have to be on the lookout for this. So obviously Rachel gets her solo. Of course. I, of course, I hate how they wrote this C storyline and wrote Tina to basically give up her solo. So Rachel threw a fit and got what she wanted because Tina decided she wasn't good enough. It's like, what the fuck does it matter? Like sing, sing your song, Tina. That's like, that's what you want. That's what you wanted. So, like, I mean, it was also sad not, how they... You're not going to, you're not going to regionals with this. It's not like it matters. Come on. No, it was, you know, tearing Tina down to put Rachel up when obviously she could sing the song just as well until the last note, which was poor Jenna trying to, <laughs> trying to throw a note. <sighs> it's gotta be hard to do. <laughs> but it's really not... Okay, so... The story, the Glee storyline is supposed to be a story about underdogs who come together and are able to succeed. But that particular plot line is about how you should let other people do what they want if they're a, li- if they're a little bit better at it than you are or a little bit better than, than you think you are or they're just more confident in it because, you know, what the fuck does it matter? I'm like, that's not that's not building up underdogs. That's that's like literally how the the whole high school hierarchy works so you're don't, reinforcing don't forget the key, that don't forget the key point there that you can also go whine to the teacher at your way mm, true yes it's not just enough to threaten to storm out you can always just complain <laughs> that's like i'm gonna flounce and then sue you yeah yeah over one song one and I, how did nobody in this entire Glee Club not punch Rachel? Great question. Probably because no one wanted to be I would expelled. Also, <laughs> I mean, I think within a few more like episodes, that first Kurt slapped on his way out. Yeah, it actually is surprising that Kurt never, Kurt never went for it. Although I get it, you don't want, you don't want teenagers hitting each other. I mean, I suppose that could be a bad thing, but... I mean, mean, getting each other drunk and pressuring each other for sex, sure, hitting each other. That's fine. Violence, however. That's where I draw the line. That is where I draw the line. This is a children's show. It's really not. Don't let your kids watch this. (laughs) Don't let you guys watch this. Um, Don't. don't Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's almost like too much that happened for it to make any sort of sense as yeah i think it should have been split it would have have been nice to have had maybe the c plot be just rachel you don't you don't get to sing this song rachel and rachel complains and flounces and everybody you know continues on and then maybe she realizes you know the next episode when she comes back that like okay everything doesn't revolve around her and the world didn't end and we all went back to normal and everything was fine. The end. That would have been nice. Pretty sure she never has that realization, though. No, no. I don't think we ever get to that point. I I would like listeners to to let me know what they like about if they're Rachel fans. 
to tell me what they like about Rachel's character, especially like in, in these episodes. I, and I mean that sincerely because it drives me batshit, like her personality and how she acts and I can't stand it. She's she's a little bit above shoe because she's younger. But I mean, if anyone wants to make a strong case for Rachel, like, we are going to hit a point where we're taking guests on the podcast. Yeah, and I'm will, I'm happy and willing to hear it because I don't have it, but would love to know. State your case for a panel of three. We'll decide. Bring your evidence to the court. Present your argument. <laughs> Present your argument to the Wizard Agamot. And you can't Zagamot. just say she's talented because they all are. That's the point. The only person I, who I don't I, know if they're talented or not is Matt Rutherford because he never got to sing. I would just okay. And Matt Rutherford is very talented because he knew enough not to stand around people and deal with their shit. And so he moved on. And as we've just previously discussed, he, you know, got onto a variety show with Victor Garber. Right. And uh, there was tap dancing involved. And he's living his best life right now. So Matt Rutherford was very successful and very talented. Good for you, Matt Rutherford. The end. Good for you. Um, we have any other yeah, I feel like- salient points to make? Oh, I guess one, it's not an interesting point, but it is a, a thing that we noticed. There was hardly any music in this episode. Yeah, there really wasn't. Rachel even even the, the single lady. Yeah. It, it was dancing, but it wasn't a musical performance. No. There was a little bit of Tonight, and then a little bit of a Celine Dion song. And that was about it. Which yeah. I think... I think hurts the show because the point of Glee were some of these musical interludes. But I suppose at this point in the series, the songs weren't quite yet being used in the musical theater vein that they get used more later where the song and then ignore the plot. It. Right. Because like sometimes the songs get used to advance the plot like musical theater. And then other times it's just a performance. And in the earlier episodes, I feel like the majority of the songs are just used as a performance rather than plot advancement, which I think maybe this episode needed some of that musical push to make it a little more palatable and fun maybe isn't the right word considering the subject matter, but a little something to break up the scenes. There's also, there's also um, benefit of musical theater will, or not musical, but just like a musical number in theater will move the plot and move emotions along faster than, you know, regular, like trying to go through the plot. So you can go, okay, we need to get from A to D and we can either walk all the way around via, you know, regular plot or we can do this musical number and we can get there because by by right of uh, musical theaterness, um, that allows you, uh, a musical number allows you all sorts of emotional change. When in doubt, sing it out. That's what we do. This is like the, the, the motto scene, for Blaine Anderson's entire life. The scene transition went from like, kind of a a really heartfelt moment with kurt to sue's corner it was like uh, no (laughs) yeah please don't do that you needed a buffer between some of these scenes yeah whiplash and i know they're gonna get farther into the teen pregnancy storyline in the upcoming episodes and (laughs) the culmination of the most musical theater delivery you've ever seen in your life but They really kind of gloss over a lot in this episode with Quinn 
and her cheating and not even a hint of the word abortion and <laughs> the ridiculousness of Finn believing he could have gotten her pregnant in the first place. Uh, yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot that's wrapped up into a few minutes. Yeah. And where are definitely, <laughs> Yeah. The show was definitely doing a thing where it was going at a, an unnatural pace that didn't end up getting them anywhere better than I think it would have been if they had drawn some of these storylines out. Yeah. Now, do you think they rushed through some of these because they weren't sure how they, you know, if they were going to be renewed? So they did not really plan because I do think broadly they planned at least from where they wanted to be in episode one to episode 20. I think they they had they may not have planned every single step there, but they go, okay, we're starting here. We're ending here. And some stuff's going to happen in the middle. So do you think they moved quickly because they're like, hey, we don't know if the end is going to be season one or if the end is going to be season eight. So let's book it. I, I honestly think this is all just, we got. I think they threw like 20 darts at a dartboard and whatever it landed on was like going to have to fit into that episode. So I'm doing a quick read on the Wikipedia. And so the show came back on after their weird early pilot early September. And then mm -hmm. on September 21st, nine more episodes were ordered. So 13 total. So it's an interesting question of how much did they know ahead of time? And a lot of times what happens with the TV show is the writers get writing and then they're still writing when they're filming. And it's a struggle to keep up with the pace where you're barely finishing a script in time to film it which is why shows take uh, the midwinter break so that the writers can actually finish the fucking show. This, this seems like a totally logical process. It's pretty terrible. And a lot of, sh I mean, uh, you know, these limited series that have eight episodes, it's not the same, but network shows do this year after year after year of you get like your first four or five in the can. And then all of a sudden you're behind because it takes a certain amount of time to write an episode You've got a week between, but it takes eight or nine days to film. It's a whole thing. You'd think they'd do it differently, but no one does. All I can uh, think of is The Bad Place right now. This was on for eight seasons. They did nearly 30 episodes. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, God bless British television. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. You know. I get the feeling that they probably mapped out a few things, but I I don't want to give them credit for too much more than that, but I can't take it away from them because I wasn't there. Can't say you didn't, but I highly suspect you didn't. I highly suspect that they didn't know how much time they were going to have to really tell a story because series get canceled all the time. But man, it's like it's ballsy in your first season and in your first couple of episodes to try a baby swap. Like... <laughs> They knew that pretty early on because they had to plant the seeds, so to speak, of Terry's hysterical pregnancy. And then that was in like the second episode. So that at least I think they knew they were going to do. I think someone thought that that would be an interesting, funny, surprising storyline. And really, it's just nuts. I do, like I said, I do think something like a baby swap has the potential for being something funny in the dark comedy vein because uh, we talked about it earlier about you know having her sister and you know being like the voice of unreason not reason ridiculousness 
so I think it is it is a ballsy move to go out with, hey, we're going to do baby swap. And that could be that dark comedic uh, show they wanted, but they just didn't. I don't know why. I don't know if they're just I don't think they I'm not gonna say I don't think they're inherently lazy. I think a lot a lot of pe- a lot of people who get things that they don't deserve because they just have very big names in Hollywood uh you know get that way but um i think at least at the beginning they all really liked the show they wanted it to succeed so it wasn't like they had something else they were thinking about or you know american crime story american horror story american whatever story this was their thing we're still in the period where this was this was their baby at least ryan's baby so it's like this was what you were focusing on you were putting your effort into this why are you dropping so many strings? I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe you're just really not that good. I mean, you know where my argument fits in there. <laughs> just not that good. Yeah. yeah. And yet you've you've so you've survived on whiteness. White maleness. I mean, pretty much. And there wasn't another show like it on and you didn't have you didn't have Netflix and Hulu and Amazon's original content competing the way you would now. I don't also, a, a lot of people did just find it really funny. The yeah. humor that's not actually funny when you stop and think about it, but people still laugh. Yeah, I mean, the ratings I mean, go up fair. throughout the first season and then up again in the second season. I'm not going to say it's because of Blaine, but like they go up and then they crash. There, there are legit things about. they do. There are legit things they do in, in, in later episodes and later seasons that I go, yeah, no, that'd be it. But I don't always think I feel like they stumble on those then that they necessarily were were trying for them. And Mandy, that's a good, good point that, you know, me, maybe maybe, the, maybe these jokes are are hitting the intended audience. And maybe myself and the rest of us were never exactly the intended audience. Well, and that's, that's kind of the trick of Glee, because they definitely made it seem like the intended audience were underdogs and minorities and like you know gay kids especially in like later seasons right now there's only kurt but later on when there's like britney and santana and and all of those other just like queer characters the hook was oh this is totally a show for you while actually we're we're gonna make lots of jokes at your expense it makes me think of uh big bang theory in in a sense, um, which is like, oh, it's a show for nerds, and it's like, no, it's a show that makes fun of nerds. Yeah, among with along with a lot of other other problematic shit, but it makes fun of them. It is not about them. It is inviting you, the general audience, to peek in on these people and laugh at them. And that's kind this of is how, a show how about including I feel like you in all of our terrible jokes. <laughs> you too can have shitty jokes made about you. Mm-hmm. You too can be made fun of and offended. Yeah, it's 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 a good point that on the on the on the cover it says this is about you, but just like Shu says, this song is for you, Tina. But inevitably, uh, the person that gets the song is the straight white girl that you know, super skinny and has slightly better voice than you, slightly. We don't even really know that because you never hear Jenna really belt. Yeah, poor Jenna never wrote a dance. Yeah, she's never given the opportunity. I know. I would also like to take this moment to invite uh, Jenna on the podcast as well if she would like to belt it out if she feels it necessary. Though, too, because she's got her own stuff going on. 
singing, so she's good. But you know, if she feels inclined. Does she have her own podcast? Awesome. Yeah, I've, I've seen Kevin tweet about it. That's <laughs> uh, amazing. All comes back to Kevin. Speaking of which, um, how are we ranking this this episode on a scale of uh, one to five Kevins? Oh, it's like a half a Kevin. Yeah, it doesn't even rank a full Kevin. Yeah, doesn't even doesn't even get a full Kevin. Big fail. Episode uh, episode four, season one, half a Kevin. Gotta do better, Glee. <laughs> no, be right. better. Do better. So we got uh, really shitty C plot. With Shu acting like a child, Rachel being a child, and but eventually getting her way and screwing Tina over in the process. We learn Kurt is gay. Bert is amazing and knew Kurt was gay, but is 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 cool with it. Kurt makes a very, you know, does a very great dance that we are all very much thankful for later, even now. And uh, oh yeah, Quinn's pregnant. Not we're just going to gloss over how or why or any of the other you know parts about it, but that happened. Oh yeah. Also, uh, football is toxic masculinity, and toxic masculinity is always bad. Anything I miss? We got our first love triangle. Ooh, of the, ki- of the kids, Finn and. Oh yeah, because uh, we have we have the shoe Emma Terry thing. Yeah, so we have our we have like our first round of cheating being a source of tension uh, and storyline. This is true. So, I mean, you know, mark that one off on the I books. Do. Episode four, first one in. First I do tend to, to ignore part of that triangle. I just don't, as far as I'm aware, there there is only two people because that third person doesn't exist in my. Yes, we can't we can't black mirror erase him, but in my mind, in my mind, exactly. Man, the Glee episode of Black Mirror would be crazy. Yes. Oh my god. I want to think about it. I feel like that puppet episode later in the series came really close, though. It came really close. Oh, my God. I don't know if I can talk about that episode. When we eventually get to it, Emily's just going to take Emily's going to take, you know, a breather, which is fine, because I'm pretty sure Mandy and I can talk about puppets for like hours. (laughs) That's fine. But that that episode was still an acid trip of an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But like, let's talk about the number of acid trippy puppet things that we actually watched yeah that's true i digress we'll we'll get to this argument in a couple seasons guys you <laughs> just penter hooks we'll get there eventually all right so does anybody have a long or favorite line no i mean no not really no yeah I kind of i mean i kind of like bert's <laughs> when he's in the stands at the football thing and i think i missed this the first time around he says he's so little when he sees Kurt out on the field. And I think that's like the sweetest, most dad thing for someone to say. Yeah, that is a good one. Of, of course, Bert would have the, the redeemable line in the episode. Yeah. It's just so loving and so nice that it almost doesn't belong in the show. <laughs> Bert Hummel doesn't belong in the show. <sighs> um, my fa- I will say I, I do have a favorite line. And mine is my body is like a rum chocolate souffle. If I don't warm it up right, it doesn't rise. That's a classic. That is a good line, but the delivery is so awkward that it, it made me appreciate how much better of an actor Chris becomes later. Yes. 
Like he's extremely like awkward to watch in this episode because I'm not used to it. He, he like a chocolate souffle, he does warm up to his acting abilities. Yes. Thankfully. I, I thought you were going to make another, I thought you were going to make a joke about, about rising and various other uh, coworkers, but I will be quiet in my corner over here. Chris, Chris definitely grows as an actor and that's just due to his age. But no, it's, it's great. Still, line, line still makes me laugh. So yeah, I think it's I like great it. that you can actually see some progression. Yeah, and I mean, he he started like this was his first acting job, so it's not a, a dig at him that he improved. Oh no, no, I, I I totally agree. I also liked the um, single ladies. I know they didn't sing it. I would have preferred they sing it, but I just think that I think the scene's hilarious. So I'm gonna I'm counting it because I can. So I am. That's fair. Accept this. Um, when I actually look, when I look on the uh, the Preggers uh, thing on Glee Wiki, they also say that the other songs are um, mentioned. The Star Spangled Banner that's played during the football game. Uh, so I mean, like that could also be a, a song if you really liked how that was played. So for all the fans out there who thought this was the best rendition of the Star Spangled Banner, this episode's for you. Ever. All right. So I f- I feel like on the whole we thought this episode was going to be a lot more than it ended up being. Um so it's kind of interesting how going back and rewatching it was like, "Oh, hey, I remembered really select parts." What do you guys think? That's the fan Final memory of this yeah. episode was uh a lot higher than the actuality of it. Yeah. Definitely how how I feel. All right. Well, you might have any final final thoughts? No, actually. (laughs) Got nothing, got nothing to add. All right. Well, so that, that's, uh, that's Preggers. And, you know, we've got uh, coming up next, we've got the roads not taken where we get another amazing guest star that I'm actually really excited about because Chris and Chenoweth is amazing. It's actually an episode I remember very little about. So I'm, I'm interested to see, to like remember it. Yeah, I remember almost nothing from this episode. Well, all I remember is Kurt throwing up on Emma. Oh, yeah. And I think she gives him a gives him a porn magazine. Oh God! All right, we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that that is for the that is for the next episode. All right. Well, th- thanks everybody for sticking with us through our our Snape fight, our talk about global warming, our our random shifting through the glee writers until we got to the end here as always it's great to uh talk with you guys so thanks again and uh that's what you miss on glee child be ready for kindergarten? At Chesterbrook Academy Preschool, the answer is yes. Our curriculum offers the perfect balance of learning and play. Our teachers personalize that experience for each child through engaging activities that develop the skills they need to be ready for what comes next. Attend a Chesterbrook Academy open house on Saturday, January 25th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. To find a preschool near you, click the banner or visit chesterbrookacademy.com. That's chesterbrookacademy.com. At Farmers Insurance, we know that a bundle of joy can sound like many different things. But to us, a bundle of joy sounds a little more like this. Because we know when you bundle your home and auto insurance with Farmers, you could save an average of 20%. Really? My bundle of joy just makes a lot of drool. Ah, the joys of parenthood. 
Visit Farmers.com or call 1-800-FARMERS to get a quote today. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Reported 2018 nationwide average savings underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.